You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, Chicago. You're listening to the Fully Alive radio program, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm your host this morning, Dawn Fitzpatrick, and joining me from home and paternity leave is my co-worker, Ray Pingoy. Hello, Ray. I know you're there somewhere. <laughs> oh, I can't hear you. There you go. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. I, it's it's, uh, it's funny to hear that paternity leave. Yeah. Um, it's it's a great gift from the Archdiocese of Chicago, but at the same time, when you uh, sent out that invitation to join you, I said yes, yes. So sorry for all our audiences out there to check out my my eyes have their own bags, and those bags have their own bags. <laughs> but uh, living well, the fullness of life. Here. Well, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Ray is now a father six times over. So um, I don't Raise think there's I don't think there's any sleeping in the Pingoy household. <laughs> Not but, right now, no. But that's 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 okay. It's beautiful, and uh, it's wonderful that yes. you just had your second daughter, your sixth child, and Congrats. God bless your wife, Mary Grace. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Thank you again. Thanks for uh, the invitation, and uh, for Brian to uh, also remind me. Our technician for today said that you you know you 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 guys uh, knew what you were doing, so you can't complain about no sleep. So, that's right. <laughs> so that's I praise right. God for. The no sleep for the fullness of life. Absolutely. That's what this is all about, being being uh, fully alive. That's our, our show, That's right. right? Being fully alive. Okay. So with that in mind, we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to start with uh, kind of an, an informational session on CRS and what the Catholic Relief Services is all about, yes. what, their, what some current projects are. Then we have um, Greg Schleppenbach joining us from the uh, Pro-Life Secretariat at the USCCB to talk about some uh, scary legislation that's proposed in Washington. Um, and... And here we are. It's Respect Life Month. Um, so, right. you know, we'll talk a little bit about the Respect Life theme and uh, and what people can be expecting for the coming year. 
So with that in mind, why don't we go ahead and introduce our first guest. Um, our first guest is Beth Kenobi, and she serves as the Community Engagement Manager with Catholic Relief Services. She works with Catholic leaders across the Midwest to create positive change for vulnerable communities around the world. Beth earned a Master of Divinity degree from Catholic Theological Union. She's a longtime resident of the Lincoln Square neighborhood on the north side of Chicago. She loves to travel and also shares her time writing and speaking about the spiritual life. Welcome, Beth. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Ray. It's great to be with you again. I know I've been on the show before. It's always wonderful to talk with folks from the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. Yes, well, we do a lot of work with you. So I think it would be, um, it's going to be great to kind of let our, our listeners, our watchers, <laughs> are we, do we have watchers now since we have, we have, have a podcast? Now, yes. yes, we let our listeners slash watchers um, know about the relationship we have with, with the uh, Catholic Relief Services. So what are some of the things that you do with us, Beth? Yeah, well, you know, and Don, I'm just so excited that you invited Catholic Relief Services to join you for the October show yes. uh, as a celebration of Respect Life Month. It's such an incredible reminder of the dignity of, of life uh, from womb to tomb and for people um, in all ages and stages of life Absolutely. all around the world. Absolutely. And Catholic, yeah. And Catholic Relief Services, as, as you know, and maybe your listeners know, uh, is the church's official international humanitarian aid and development agency. We have programs in over 115 countries around the world. And we work to respond to major natural disasters, mm -hmm. but we also do long-term development, you know, really um, working with local communities to find sustainable solutions to poverty, hunger, injustice. Uh, and it is truly incredible work and life-saving work. Sure. So I think a, a lot of times people think of the Rice Bowl Project when they think That's of CRS. Right, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I, I give presentations uh, through the Archdiocese of Chicago and, uh, you know, talk about chastity education. But I mentioned first, I, I'm from the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity, and they're scratching their heads like, what is that? And then I mentioned Rice Bowl. They're like, oh, yes, yes, I know that. <laughs> so you guys are all popular with the Rice Bowl, as Don mentioned. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, it was... Yeah, and it, and it Go ahead. And it's great. You know, Rice Bowl, Rice Bowl is our flagship Lenten faith formation and almsgiving program. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's it's never too early to start talking about Lent. We talk about Lent right. all year long at CRS because of CRS Rice Bowl. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a nice a nice way to bring people together and to realize, um, you know, how we how we can make a little bit of a sacrifice for others. And also, there's there's so much that besides just filling that rice bowl, there's so much more that goes to that program that um, mm -hmm. I don't know that people always realize, but, you know, you've got mm -hmm. yeah. just recipes. We can focus on different cultures. We, um, you know, I, I used to, when I was a youth minister, I, I used that, the rice bowl as a, an opportunity to, um, to help them understand how to make, you know, a Lenten sacrifice. Um, mm -hmm. And that maybe instead of getting their Starbucks in the morning, they could put that money in the rice bowl, you know, things like that. And then, yeah. and then pray for the people that, that are going to be able to benefit from those donations. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and being here today is, is just a great reminder that the work doesn't end when Lent is over. Right. You know, global emergencies and natural disasters do not obey our liturgical calendars. Of they, course. <laughs> they happen all throughout the year. So let's talk about that. We just had a, a really bad earthquake in Haiti. Um, and I know that CRS is right there. So what, what is it that you're doing with something like that? Yeah, you know, Haiti is, you know, it's such a heartbreaking situation. Haiti has been through so much. You know, there was that that devastating earthquake 10 or 11 years ago. Right. Um, and most recently, you know, I think people may remember from, from watching the international news this summer, the president of Haiti was assassinated in July. Mm. And then in the middle of August, uh, there was a 7.2 magnitude earthquake that that struck just off the western coast of Haiti. Um, I think there were over 2,000 lives lost, um, tremendous damage to infrastructure, roads, schools, hospitals, um, and organizations like Catholic Relief Services. You know, CRS has had a long time presence in Haiti. Um, we we help with not only disaster recovery, but we also do a lot of work in in Catholic schools, um, Catholic hospitals, and and so you know. Um, just really well positioned to be able to respond to a major emergency like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that presence on the ground and having local partners, a relationship with the local church really positions us uh, to begin to respond immediately and mm-hmm. you know really within within hours or days able to begin providing support. Um, so of course, you know, in in the wake of something like an earthquake, you know, our our first concern is people's safety and their immediate needs. Uh, so we immediately began um, gathering supplies. We've got supplies pre-positioned throughout the region, things like tarps, uh, buckets, hygiene supplies like soap, um, cleaning supplies, as well as shelter material. I think that's uh, being able to provide dignified shelter that gets people through through those first weeks after a disaster and knowing that they're going to have something over their heads um you know where where they can sleep and begin to care for their families sometimes that's very temporary in those first couple of weeks um mm-hmm. but then you know CRS again we've 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 been there we've been through these events before begin to look at what are what are the needs of the local communities and how can we help transition them from this immediate response, just you know, really living day to day um, to something that is more temporary and then uh, begin to help communities rebuild. Mm-hmm. Do you actually go in and help them build their new their homes back and things like that? Yeah, so we have uh, an emergency response team that mm-hmm. that comes in and does some assessment to really de- determine what people's needs are, okay. and helping to provide those those immediate um, kinds of of materials that they need to get by day to day. But then ultimately, yeah, in some areas we are helping with the rebuilding mm-hmm. of of homes and shelters. Um, you know, following following the earthquake in in 2010, uh, we were um, very involved in the rebuilding of the major hospital in Port-au-Prince. Um, you know, in the in the western part of Haiti, this most recent earthquake, there's something like 83,000 homes completely destroyed. 83,000 homes completely destroyed. And probably another 40,000 homes um, that are needing some kind of repair. 
And so working with, uh, with the local church, with um, local communities, yeah, we begin to bring people together to do some assessment um, and determine what, what the community needs to either fix their homes, to make them livable again, um, or, or to clear uh, the destruction and then, and then rebuild. And so often rebuilding with, with safety in mind. You know, the, the mm -hmm. unfortunate thing about Haiti is, is we know that Haiti sits on a fault line um, and is susceptible to earthquakes. Oh. So it is always a question of how do you, how do you build back better right. and build back stronger. So knowing that, you know, there was so much devastation there. And, I mean, we see so many Haitians even trying to um, relocate to the United States, you know, because mm -hmm. they're, they don't mm -hmm. have anything for themselves there. So with yeah. knowing that, what, what can people do, you know, what's the best course of action to help you with that project? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like I said, CRS, um, you know, works with local communities. We, we have uh, a, a dedicated Haitian staff mm -hmm. uh, who, are, who are in Haiti, um, you know, people can certainly give. I think that's one of the best ways to contribute to rebuilding efforts is by giving to CRS. Um, people can visit our website, crs.org backslash Haiti, which mm -hmm. will take you directly to our giving page. Or if you simply want to learn more, you can you can go to our website, crs.org and scroll down uh, to our to our news articles and you can read more about the rebuilding efforts in Haiti. Um, but all of that, all of that money goes towards um, in the, both the rebuilding effort, mm. um, but certainly it is through the generosity of the Catholic Church in the United States uh, that CRS is able to have a presence and to respond immediately when when these kind of disasters hit. Sure. Uh, just I mean, curious, Beth, as well with the pandemic, the whole COVID mm -hmm. thing, did that impact the the generosity, the giving? of uh, us here in the U.S. and also, you know, with the earthquake and everything, how did that impact the communities that were um, that mm -hmm. were hit by these uh, disasters? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ray. That's a great question. You know, people have always been generous. I, I think there is something about a, a natural disaster and that that immediate sense of of desperation and and that that need um, that that people see that that you know, people's lives have been upended. And I, I don't think that the um, pandemic has limited people's generosity. Um, people have been incredibly generous. Uh, but, you know, I, I think in mentioning COVID, that, that is certainly a complicating factor to all of this. Sure. You know, a um, place like Haiti uh, is, is a place that has certainly had felt the impact of the pandemic, um, you know, it has had uh, an impact on on people's ability uh, to travel, to find work, to to have um, those those kind of sustainable um, resources for income. Uh, you know, in the in the same ways that we think about the ways that that our lives have impacted, been impacted. You know, everything from. Sure. Um, remote learning for our children to needing to wear masks right. and social distance, um, you know, the, the need for, for simple um, personal protective equipment, right. like being able to, you know, wash our hands and, and mm -hmm. wear a mask. Mm -hmm. That's all complicated when you're working in a situation where resources are already limited. Sure. Um, 
And, and so, you know, those, those kind of complicating factors that were already in place because of the pandemic are only amplified when you have a natural disaster on top of it. So let's, um, we need to take a break. So if you can, um, we'll, we can continue that, that line of discussion when we come back. So everybody hang on. We'll be back in just a minute. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. Amen. have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit, and now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today.
Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. You are listening to me, Dawn Fitzpatrick, and my coworker Ray Pingoy is with us as well from home. And we are talking to Beth Kenobi, who is the Community Engagement Manager for the Midwest of Catholic Relief Services, about what Catholic Relief Services does. And we've, we've uh, been talking a little bit about what happened in Haiti um, and and how they're helping, um, we're, we all actually are helping to rebuild Haiti and give people back to some kind of a decent um, way of living. And we were also just starting to talk about what COVID, um, the effects of COVID and how CRS is working with that. So not, not only was Haiti affected by COVID like everyone, but the whole world's been affected by COVID. So I would uh, imagine that, that CRS is um, helping all over the world with COVID needs and people that are hungry and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, certainly the countries where CRS works have, have been impacted by COVID um, in, in really, you know, incredible ways. Uh, you know, and, and, and in some ways, you know, Dawn, I'm, I'm reminded of this beautiful quote by, by Pope Francis. Uh, you know, Pope Francis's most recent uh, encyclical Fratelli Tutti is a wonderful quote about us as a global community living through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and Pope Francis says that the COVID pandemic momentarily revived the sense that we're a global community, mm-hmm. that we're all in the same boat, where, where one person's problems are everyone's problems. And we have to realize that no one is saved alone. We can only be saved together. Great. I love that quote from, yes. from Fratelli Tutti. And I think people have used this image of, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat, or maybe we're all in the same storm, but our boat looks a little bit different. And for people in, in low income and developing countries, they've, they've been hit especially hard. Um, and Catholic Relief Services has been working to get information and prevention to people, uh, really educating people about the importance of, of hand washing and personal protective equipment, wearing mm-hmm. masks. Um, helping to support very remote communities um, in in what to do now now that their schools had closed for the majority of 2020. Um, you know, in the United States, that is that is very well resourced. You know, it was it was hard, right? Yeah. It was tough for our communities in the United States to pivot to online learning. Um, imagine a country that that has very sporadic electricity. Um, you know, that where schools are, are incredibly remote and rural, um, it has really been a challenge to, to respond uh, to those particular needs. Um, and we can talk also about, about what we call the shadow pandemic of hunger, which has mm-hmm. really emerged in the wake of, of this global health crisis. So how, how has um, COVID affected hunger? And in, in the globe, yeah. the, on the globe. Yeah. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. yeah. Well, again, if you imagine, uh, you know, very low income countries where, you know, maybe the majority of people are, are small scale farmers, mm-hmm. really rely on that ability to travel, to find work. Um, COVID really restricted their access to markets, their ability to sell their goods. 
Um, the World Bank estimates that, that extreme global poverty rates will rise for the first time in 20 years. Um, it could be up to 150 million people who fall back into extreme poverty. And when we talk about extreme poverty, we're talking about people living on less than $2 a day. Um, so millions of people reliant on emergency food assistance. Um, and, and CRS, you know, these are, are communities and countries where we've had a long time presence, um, really helping to people Mm -hmm. and and communities to become more resilient and self-reliant. Um, but it's really made us take a step back again uh, to look at how we are prioritizing food security and nutrition, uh, how we are supporting people in their livelihoods. And by livelihoods, it's how, how are they um, having jobs that are sustainable? Uh, how, do, how do people have access to markets um, and have an access to income? Um, and I think I think some of our response also is knowing that uh, U.S. foreign assistance is a big part of that. And so being able to have uh, access to U.S. foreign assistance that is flexible and adaptable um, so that CRS can do the work that we've always done. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think about a colleague of mine in the western highlands of Guatemala uh, who has shared stories with me about uh, the school feeding program that CRS sponsors in mm -hmm. collaboration with um, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And when uh, when COVID hit, the schools shut down. Mm. Uh, but it was really through going to school that many of these children had access to probably the only meal they had each day. So not going to school not only meant they weren't getting an education, it also meant they weren't getting that one meal a day that they were assured when they were going to school. And so right. we we're doing a lot of pivoting, uh, really helping communities think about using cell phone technology, WhatsApp to get education resources to families. Um, but then also working with our U.S. government partners to say, you know, can we shift from a daily hot meal program in schools? to some sort of take home ration where parents could pick up basic staples like rice and beans, corn, mm -hmm. oil, um, and then be able to take those meals home so that children would still be able to eat. So it's that kind of pivoting mm -hmm. um, that has been really important to us uh, to be able to provide for people's basic needs um, and responding to this issue of, of rising hunger that is the direct result of COVID. Okay. So I know that you also, um, you know, just like all of us, we have, we have to be advocates for, um, for our ministries. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and just knowing that there's so much going on in the, the federal government, what, what, are, what are you having to do to advocate for CRS at, at the federal level? Yeah. So we do a lot of advocacy at the federal level. And, mm -hmm. and right now at this time of year, uh, our, our U.S. federal government is working on on the budget for fiscal year 22. And you know that example from Guatemala is a great example of, of a partnership that Catholic Relief Services has long had with, with US federal agencies that, that help to provide um, assistance for poverty reduction as well as emergency, emergency support. Um, most people don't realize that of the four, nearly $4 trillion federal budget, Congress allocates less than one half of 1% mm. 
not even a full percentage, mm -hmm. half of 1% of the U.S. federal budget goes towards international assistance that is directed towards reducing poverty and responding to global emergencies. Okay. Um, international aid has, has had strong bipartisan support, um, certainly in our best interests as a country and as Catholics. I, I think we can say we have a, a moral imperative to continue to invest in this life-saving work. Um, our faith compels us to uphold life and dignity of all people, no matter what mm -hmm. age or stage mm -hmm. or, or economic situation that they are in. We truly want people, people to thrive and, and have the opportunity to live up to their full God-given potential. And so our, our major advocacy focus is to continue to um, contact our senators and congressional representatives um, and ask that, that they increase funding that supports sustainable solutions to poverty reduction, disease prevention, and responding to a changing climate. Okay, um, great. And like I said, we've, we've had strong bipartisan support, but it does take uh, U.S. constituents and Catholics consistently telling the story of what a tremendous impact this uh, foreign assistance has and that it's organizations like Catholic Relief Services and other faith-based organizations who have a long-term presence in these uh, developing countries um, that have a network like, like the Catholic Church, which is a strong network, uh, who can truly make an impact um, through those federal budget dollars. Okay. So, I mean, this is what Congress is doing right now. I mean, I, I, if you mm -hmm. watch TV at all this weekend, um, you see that they're, are, they're having lots of discussions about the budget and where they're allocating funds and um, the debt ceiling. And <laughs> so but the, so these are important, important things that we need to keep in the budget to obviously yeah, be able to help. Yeah, do, do they absolutely. work through CRS for some of that from the federal level or do they have other agencies that that money would go to? So they have, a, they have a lot of different agencies that they work through, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not only CRS, um, but other faith-based organizations, other nonprofit organizations. But, you know, when, when we do this advocacy um, at, the, at the federal level, you know, what we're really asking our leaders is, is for the United States to continue to be a leader on the global stage mm -hmm. um, so that this prioritization of the poor um, and our, our need to help the poor is something that remains front and center. Um, that, that the U.S. has a moral obligation to be a leader in this way and that it's truly in our best interest. Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah. Catholic Relief Services makes it really easy to advocate. So if this is something that, that people want to support, you know, we make it really easy for people to send a letter uh, to their senators or representatives um, people can go to our website, uh, it's crs.org backslash lead the way. So that's how you can get to our website, uh, to our advocacy page. We also have a, a simple text app. Uh, you can text the phone number. The phone number is 67768. And if you put in the message lead now, so text the words lead now 
to the number 67768. And it'll send you a link directly to our, our advocacy page on our website. Uh, with about two clicks, you can send a letter to your uh, federal representatives. Um, TRS provides some sample language. You can put your own personal message. It makes it really easy to advocate um, on these federal budget issues. Okay. Well, well, thank you, Beth. This has been very informative, and we love having you as a partner in the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. Certainly, um, you know, we're talking about solidarity here, you know, solidarity with our, our fellow humans all over the world and helping them when they need help, obviously. So thank you for, for joining us. Um, we're going to our next break, and we will have Greg Schleppenbach when we come back. Thanks, Beth. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Don. Yeah. By the power of his blood. Amen. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Catholic Charities has continued to respond to the needs of people who come to us for assistance. More than 850,000 meals and food parcels have been offered to those who are struggling with food insecurity. Over 108,000 homelessness prevention hotline calls have been answered. Over 22,000 people have received mental health services and $2 million in financial assistance has been provided to keep people housed. If you or someone you know needs assistance, email us at gethelp at catholiccharities.net. That's gethelp at catholiccharities.net. Or call 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago.
Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm Dawn Fitzpatrick, along with my coworker Ray Pingoy, who's coming to us from home in his uh, his man cave at his house with six children. <laughs> Are you still there, Ray? <laughs> Everyone, yes, I'm still here. Okay, and joining us now from Washington D.C. is Greg Schleppenbach, who is the associate director at the at the Secretariat of um, Pro Life Activities at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and the former Nebraska Catholic Conference director. That's when I met you first, Greg, when you were in Nebraska. But we are here I to know. talk to continue our talk about uh, advocacy and legislation that we started in the last half hour. Um, to but with some very concerning things that are happening uh, on Capitol Hill, even as we speak. Um, we were just talking about the, the budget um, a, a minute ago and how they can help with, you know, CRS's needs and things like that. But um, so why don't I just let you take it away, Greg? What's what's going on there that we need to be concerned about? Yeah, well, really, probably the, the, the most urgent concern and what has been most urgently occupying our time and our advocacy has been this uh, this infrastructure bill mm-hmm. um this reconciliation bill i should say the, the what they call the build back better reconciliation act and while it does include you know many good policies and things that we as the the catholic bishops and the u.s conference of catholic bishops support Mm-hmm. including, you know, uh, in, in increasing more access to health care, expanding, uh, for example, uh, access to health care through Medicaid and other forms through um, increased um, subsidies through the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, g- generally speaking, we very strongly support uh, more people having access to Healthcare. The problem is the way in which they're going about it would open the door to uh, funding of elective abortions with our tax dollars. And that we have drawn a red line on as the bishops to say that, you know, while we have there's much in this package, this reconciliation bill that we do support, uh, we oppose this legislation if that uh, and will oppose that legislation if uh, it continues to fund uh, abortions. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, it's, and so this is, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to add to that. So while this, what makes this particularly uh, of grave concern is that unlike other legislation, which we can talk about, like the, the, the so-called women's health protection act, um, or even retention of the Hyde amendment through the appropriations process, those, those measures require 60 votes in the Senate to pass. Mm-hmm. But this reconciliation bill only takes 50 votes. It doesn't. It's not subject to, uh, or a simple majority. It's not subject to the filibuster, and so uh, a simple majority can pass the reconciliation bill. And that's what makes this threat to taxpayer funding of abortion much more serious right now than uh, the other measures that we can we can talk about. So, so can you talk a little bit about what? keeping the Hyde Amendment as a part of this would do? Um, I know that's a big thing that they're talking about on the news. And, um, you know, if you can explain how how that how important that is and why it needs to be there. 
Yeah, will do. I mean, and I know there's a lot of confusion because there's kind of a convergence of um, our work to preserve the Hyde Amendment in the appropriations process. So mm -hmm. that's the long-standing uh, policy that's in been in place since the late 70s uh, that prohibits uh, federal taxpayer dollars being used to pay for abortions through uh, Medicaid and other programs that are funded by the federal government through the Labor, Health and Human Services Appropriations Bill. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's sort of a separate um, process. Uh, every year, the Congress has to pass appropriation bills to fund, continue to fund the government. And uh, again, that takes 60 votes in the Senate to, mm -hmm. to make any policy changes to that. Um, but in this reconciliation bill, anytime you have um, any policy related to health care, uh, uh, funding, health care provision, um, it, if, if the Hyde Amendment or the Hyde policy is not attached to that uh, health care uh, funding or, or provision, then by law, by legal precedent, abortion would have to be covered under that, under that program. Mm. So in the reconciliation bill, one of the proposals that they uh, are or have in the current House version of it is to um, create a, a parallel Medicaid program just for those 12 states that have not um, in, 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 um, enacted Medicaid expansion through the Affordable Care Act. So there's 12 states that haven't done that, made Medicaid more uh, available, accessible to a wider range of, of, of individuals. And so this would create a separate Medicaid program funded separately just through this reconciliation bill, not through the normal appropriations process, which does have Hyde attached to it. Mm -hmm. okay. So any funding that is funded separately from the normal appropriations process, you have to attach any policy that currently is a part of the appropriations funding stream or it's where it's not attached. Mm -hmm. So any separately funded programs, healthcare or otherwise, um, has to have either, either has to have that funding run through the, the labor health and human services appropriation funding stream so that Hyde attaches or language has to be added to that that particular legislation so that Hyde uh, is is attached to those programs. Okay. So that's what we're dealing with in the reconciliation bill. It's it's creating separate programs, separately funded in, in funding streams that would not have Hyde attached to it. Okay. So that would just mean that federally we're going we if it goes through that way, we would be paying for abortions out of uh, our tax dollars. Yes, at, at, for those at least for those twelve states where okay. this program is, in, this they're trying to expand um, healthcare access in those twelve states that did not enact Medicaid expansion following mm -hmm. the enactment of the Affordable Care Act. So, I, I mean, I'm sure you're aware here in Illinois, we've already we've already been paying for abortions out of our tax dollars. <laughs> you know that that came through in 2019 um, with the Reproductive Health Act. Um, unfortunately, but, and I'm, I'm, there may be, there's other states like that, like New York and California, I think as well. Um, but those are, that would be our, um, our Illinois tax dollars, I guess. Um, so the, the federal funds wouldn't be coming regardless, right? As long as the Hyde Amendment's in place. That's correct. So states are, states have to provide services at least what the federal government's providing. So 
in in the case of federal funds for Medicaid, mm -hmm. uh, they are allowed to be used to pay for rape, incest, and life of the mother abortions, but nothing beyond that. So mm -hmm. states with their own state tax dollars have to at least, if they're going to participate in the Medicaid program, have to pay for at least rape, incest, and life of the mother abortions. But mm -hmm. they do not have to pay for um, any any other abortions beyond the fact they cannot use federal tax dollars to pay for any abortions other than those rape incest and life of the mother but states are free to use their own tax dollars as illinois has done and other states have done to pay for elective abortions right um you know taxpayer funding of abortion is you know talk about any aspect of the abortion issue where there may be disagreement there's been long-standing bipartisan support for, regardless of where a person stands on whether abortion should be legal or not, there's been long-standing bipartisan, widely um, public opinion, wide strong public opinion uh, in, in favor of ensuring that no taxpayer dollars uh, are used to pay for abortion. So that's been one, the one sort of common ground we've had on abortion for decades. Okay. And now, because there's such a push you know, sadly, in particular by the Democratic uh, Party and Democratic officials, this Democratic Congress and now President Biden, who changed his position on the Hyde Amendment to now not support it. We're seeing this massive push in Congress and by this president to um, force taxpayers to fund abortions. Well, you know, that's, this is why we've made this such a red line yeah. on federal legislation. Well, and it's, it's interesting if you listen to some of the... Um... The, the women in Congress who are in, in favor of not having the Hyde Amendment attached to anything, um, they, they tend to say things like, well, women have to have the right to, a, you know, to an abortion. They're, but they aren't talking about the taxpayer, you know, taxpayer aspect of it as much as they make it sound like this would be taking away someone's right to abortion, which isn't what we're talking about here, although that is something we, we certainly would like to see happen as well. Um, so, so I just think it's interesting that, that it's like they almost throw a red herring in there, um, in, in their discussions is what I, is what I'm hearing. What, what do you think about well, that? Yeah, Don, it really goes to what is, is, is such a, an evil force going on in our country here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and, and this is where we get to the women's health protection, so-called women's health protection act, or we more accurately call it the abortion on demand act right if you just read the um the findings at the beginning of this horrible act it lays out the way abortion and keep in mind we're talking about killing an innocent human child right that's what abortion is mm -hmm. deliberately killing an innocent child and they are characterizing abortion killing of innocent human children as essential to health care and access to services uh, abortion services is central to people's ability to participate equally in the economic and social life of, uh, in the United States. They call it a human right. They reference um, international declarations uh, that that say abortion is is a fundamental part of the right to life. For crying out loud, there is no other attack against innocent human life or human life at all, where they characterize the brutal killing of other people as healthcare, as human rights, yeah. as, you know, uh, dignity, it, it, it's truly diabolical. And so, and, and now they throw into it, any kind of restrictions on abortion is racist, you know, because 
you know, this is this has become the 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 accusation that they lob against anything that they don't like. Right. To call it racist, and 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 this is 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 so very very sad. It's it it really is to to and to listen to. Uh, folks advocate for it. There was a hearing last week by the Government Oversight Committee in the House, and and I heard one uh, person testify that abortion was an act of love. Oh my gosh! Uh, it's it's truly sickening, Don. Yeah, it is. It, it is. And and the interesting thing is that they they are saying if you can't if they can't have an abortion, it's racist. But what they're not realizing is how the minority communities are targeted, um, and they put these abortion clinics in places that are going to lure them in to kill their children. It's it's terrible. So, um, okay, so we go into a break. Thanks so much, Greg. Um, we can direct everyone to the uh, respectlife.org website so that they can learn m- more about what they can do and to certainly reach out to your, uh, your legislators and let them know that we want to keep the Hyde Amendment and we do not want to be paying for abortions out of our tax dollars. So thanks for joining us, Greg. My pleasure, Don. God bless you guys. God bless you. Thanks. Are you looking for quality, affordable childcare at this back-to-school time of year? Look no further than Catholic Charities Child Development Centers. We have two locations conveniently located in Berwyn and Summit, offering before and after-school care, as well as full-day childcare. Each center offers a safe, welcoming environment where children receive a nutritious breakfast, lunch, and snack while participating in a creative, age-appropriate curriculum that is challenging and fun. Preschoolers enjoy art, music, literature, and computer activities, while our school-age program includes homework help, art, sports, music, field trips, and more. Catholic Charity staff members are highly qualified, caring people who want the very best for every child. Our child care centers are especially popular with working parents. Enroll your child today. To learn more, visit catholiccharities.net slash child development or call 312-636-5398. That's 312-636-5398. I feel special. (laughs) I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before.
Thanks for hanging with us on Fully Alive. Now, we'd like to spend the last few minutes of our podcast this morning talking to you about Respect Life Month, because here we are, October, Respect Life Month. Uh, We just had Respect Life Sunday. Hopefully, you all heard some great homilies, and there's some great focus on uh, Respect Life Month in your parishes. But, um, you know, meanwhile, we have a new theme that's going to go from now until the end of September in 2022. And that theme is St. Joseph, Defender of Life. So, um, so Ray, what do you think of that? I know you have a very soft spot in your heart for St. Joseph. I love it. And uh, as you mentioned, for all our listeners out there, if your parish, if your uh, uh, if your uh, pastor has not yet, uh, you know, said anything about respect life, it's not too late yet. They can, um, of course, uh, talk about it through their uh, through their homily all throughout the month. Absolutely. So, and Absolutely. this is and this is beautiful because uh, Pope Pope Francis just uh, declared this whole year uh, for Saint Joseph. So, how beautiful is that? That this is also our theme heading towards twenty twenty two. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is. St. Joseph is a defender of life. He, he gives us this great example. I mean, we don't know much about him, right, St. Joseph, but we do know a lot about the, the nativity story and what St. Joseph did there. He's a quiet, gentle man, but at the same time, very strong in, uh, uh, in defense of life during, you know, especially in, in that uh, nativity story. Right. I like to think of him as a, as a very strong man. Think, you know, he would have, he was a carpenter, so he would have been very physically fit in building things. Um, plus, you know, he took he took care of Mary in a very difficult mm. time, um, and then he, he, you know, he welcomed Jesus as his own. Um, just what a what a phenomenal example of what to do in an unplanned pregnancy, right? Um, when you find yourself there, um, and of course, knowing that he was protecting the savior of the world. So how how cool is that? So. Right. I mean, imagine after uh, again we're we're uh, diving into a little bit of the nativity story here. After after the birth of Jesus, little after that, they they, they traveled to Egypt. I mm-hmm. mean, he needed some energy. He needed some. You know, you, we need a uh, someone there to truly be a defender of life uh, that is strong, that is uh, always in tune with the Holy Spirit, and always listening to what God is. Uh, is instructing him yeah. uh, to do. So what a great example in St. Joseph to really lean on the Holy Spirit. And I love it because he, he's always sleeping. And that, that's what I need right now, some sleep, right? <laughs> some some peace uh, and uh, really, truly uh, quieting his heart to truly listen to God's word. Right. So um, we have, a, as I said, it's a new theme for the year. Now, you know, we don't only pay attention to Respect Life in October. It's just a, a way to kick it off. And then we are able to focus on that theme for the rest of the year. So what right. what the uh, Pro-Life Secretariat does for us is they have provided us with posters we can put in our um, gathering space and certainly all kinds of materials um, that you can highlight and bring attention to um, issues of life. And there, they also have resources that help you think about things you could do, whether it's a prayer service or a, a special mass or um, an event or, you know, this is a good month to do something in your parish. I know um, my parish is actually I'm going to meet with the Knights of Columbus on Wednesday to talk about 
some projects they could work on. This is a great time for us to kick off that Walking with Moms in Need, which is another program that the USCCB Pro-Life Secretariat has uh, started that to, to help us all focus on helping women so that they do feel comfortable choosing life and that they, are, they can be uh, good mothers to their children regardless of what situation they might find themselves in. And, and the church should be the first place people go when they need help. We, yeah. we are that field hospital, as Pope Francis has said. So we need to be able to show and have people think, well, I need help. Where should I go? Oh, well, the Catholic Church does all kinds of things. Um, it used to be people knew that. So it's, it's time for us to get everybody focusing on the fact that we're still that. <laughs> and we, we do have resources and we do work in the communities to feed people, to house people, to um, make sure they have health care, to make sure that they're um, safe. You know, all of these things are things we should be, we should be doing for people. And, and now's a great time to focus on that. So there's, there's other things. Okay. People, sometimes uh, a parish might have a speaker this month yes, to talk yeah. about a life issue. Maybe they'll show a movie like the Unplanned. I know we've got a couple of those um, scheduled around the, the diocese coming up. What are some other things people could do this month, Ray? Yeah, and, and you mentioned it's not just this month uh, for our listeners out there, because I know this is a monthly show. If they are listening to this show towards the end of October, Call us and 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 uh, let let us know how we can be of help. The uh, Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity, especially us, Respect Life Ministry. Let us know how we can help in November, in December. Maybe plan something, you know, towards uh, uh, Advent season um, in, in focusing on Saint Joseph. So definitely uh, uh, gather some of your young people. Uh, talk to the youth minister and, and and make sure they're talking about Respect Life Month as well. Again, not just in October, but really all throughout the year. Of course. And then, of course, you know, in, in January, when we have the anniversary of Roe versus right, Wade, yeah. there's marches and all kinds of things people do as well. Um, we have a special mass for life um, on January 8th down in on Michigan Avenue at the Hilton. We'll have a mass for life. Um, a lot, there's also a, a special day that to, to um, for, for the protection of the unborn that on the Jan, on January 22nd, which is the Roe versus Wade anniversary. Um, there's a, there's a special mass setting that's been approved just for that day, um, and you know to really focus on it. So, but there's things we can do all year. So so you know if you don't if you get a chance if you haven't thought about this, go to respectlife.org, which is the USCCB Pro Life Secretariat's page. They'll give you all kinds of information. You'll that's be able right. to also see some of that advocacy um, information that Greg Schleppenbach was was talking about in our last segment. Um, and then in addition, we also spoke a little bit with our CRS uh, manager today, and you can go to their web page and see what, you know, how you can help um, with the dignity and sanctity of life through CRS. So thank, thank you all so much for being with us this Respect Life Month, October. And Ray, thanks for joining us from home. And, um, and we'll see everybody in November. God bless. God bless. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.